The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell. I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series titled Prosperity's Ten Commandments, and I think it's important that you get the book, which is uh, written by Georgiana Tree West. You can get it on unity.org, or I'm sure it's available on Amazon.com. It's a really good book. It gives the practical spiritual principles of new thought as espoused by unity. It's user friendly. It gets right to the to to the heart of the matter, and I think that you will really enjoy this book. Now, let me just add before I start, because I'm gonna mention this also a little bit later, that this Sunday at Christ Universal Temple, we're continuing our celebration of our 62nd anniversary. Christ Universal Temple was, uh, you know, started its ministry under. Reverend Coleman in October of 1956, and we've been celebrating all month. We've had a great time, and this Sunday, we're going to have our annual anniversary concert, which is an extended service from 1030 until 1230, where the choir will minister to us during the whole service, and you will hear some powerful singing, potential guest singers, wonderful wonderful musicians. It's just awesome. So if you ever wanted to come to Christ Universal Temple and you're in the Chicagoland area or it's worth the trip for you, take a drive down to or up or left or right <laughs> to Chicago or plane or train or whatever. This is the Sunday you definitely want to be in the house. Trust me when I tell you, it's nothing like choir concerts at Christ Universal Temple. So definitely come check us out. Now. It's time for us to get to chapter four of the book, Prosperity's Ten Commandments. And again, remember, this book is based on the Ten Commandments that Moses gave 
the Hebrews in Exodus chapter 20. And what the author did was she took the scriptures and she gave them a prosperity slant. In other words, what's the essence of the scripture? And then shift it so it can do some different things. Now, this is a very powerful chapter, and I hope that you have the book because, again, I'm not going to teach sentence by sentence or paragraph by paragraph. I'm going to teach the highlight points, and then you can work with your study to make whatever you need to make out of it. In other words, you can do what you need to do with it because trust me when I tell you, it makes a difference. All right. Okay. Back to the book. It says, you shall let go and let God, the fourth commandment. You shall let go and let God. All right. And this comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that was in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and consecrated it. Now, before I actually get into the prosperity Ten Commandments, I just wanted to just make this one little note. This practice was exceptionally radical during its day. and one of the and the reason why it was radical was because everybody stopped, did not work, did not labor, and it allowed people to one worship, but also rest, mind and body, communicate with family, etc. Now we look back on this now as being repressive. You can't do this, you can't do that, etc. But in a time and an era where people were working from sunup to sundown. There was no such thing as labor laws and constitutions and whatever. You know, sometimes you just worked until you dropped. And people in, in that time, so many people did not even make it to adulthood. And those who did, most didn't make it past 30s, 40s. It was no such thing as... as the majority of people living into their seventies and eighties and, and, you know, 1300 or 900 BC, it it just wasn't happening, you know, for various reasons that I'm not going to get into right now. But the key point that I do want to add is how radically free this was at the time. And then it became repressive. And by the time we read about it in Jesus's day, when Jesus is saying the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, etc., it was because people were using it to be uh, at times repressive. But the idea behind it, a day of rest in the ancient days when there was no such thing as child labor laws, obviously there was things like slavery. This this law was so radical that even Hebrews that had who who owned slaves, which I'm not justifying by no stretch of the imagination, Lord knows, even the slaves didn't have to work. That's how radically important it was. So it was just interesting how we view a thing in a 21st century light without realizing the context of it then. Now, again, not justifying anything of that ancient culture, 
agreeing or disagreeing. I just wanted to bring to light one little point. Now let's get to the prosperity Ten Commandments. All right, page 53. The word Sabbath means a time of rest. A Sabbath then is a period of cessation from effort in order to rest and relax for the purpose of gathering strength and power for a new period of activity. So anytime you allow yourself to mentally and physically reboot, to spiritually reboot, to to decompress and allow your battery to recharge in a way that's the Sabbath. This is why things like prayer and meditation are so important because sometimes we can just be on the go and we don't give ourselves an opportunity to reboot. Moving on. It is written, Moses instructed the Hebrews that such a period of perfect relaxation should be observed every seventh day because to the Hebrew mind, the number seven was the symbol of rest and peace, the idea of completion or fulfillment following a period of activity. So it is widely known that the number seven for the ancient Hebrew cultures symbolized completion. So for them, the seventh day pops up in a lot of things that people didn't even realize. Say, for instance, if you are reading in Hebrew, the first sentence of the Bible in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, it's actually seven words. It's that detailed. So for them, the word seven always symbolizes completion. All right. Next paragraph. It, the author wrote, in the mental realm, such a period of rest becomes a time of peace and quiet enabling the mind to indulge in reflection on the things of the spirit. So when you give yourself the opportunity of your own personal Sabbath, you give yourself the opportunity to allow the activity of spirit flowing into your soul and body to fill you back up. Again, many times we don't give ourselves the opportunity to reboot. And because we don't give ourselves the opportunity to reboot, we find ourselves burning out. Burning out. Because we go, 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 go. Now, I, I believe in hard work. I believe in dedicated effort. I believe in doing what needs to be done. I believe in all of it. But I also believe in getting rest, sleep, prayer time, meditation time, and study time. Why? Because it was, it has been so noted through the years. If I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I would spend six hours sharpening my axe. So sometimes we're less effective because we have less energy. We're more effective when we allow ourselves the opportunity to reboot, refresh, and renew. We even do it with our computers and tablets and smartphones. Sometimes when, you know, we're trying to get on a website or something and we notice that something's going wrong, we'll hit the, we'll tap the refresh button or tab and all of a sudden the website just pops up because sometimes we just need that refresh, that refresher in mind, just like the computer or the smartphone to push through what needs to be pushed through. But without that opportunity to refresh, many times we're not as effective as we could be. Now, back to the book. 
page 54. It states, in every demonstration, there must be resting periods, again, times of cessation from outer activity while one dwells in complete reliance on God and on the operation of his immutable laws. Now, I underlined the word immutable because we need to be mindful that we're working with immutable spiritual laws. Reverend Coleman used to say to us years ago, I am a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. I am a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. It shifts the thinking because when we're thinking that things aren't connected, when we are thinking that we're solely relying on our own intellect, our own skill set, our, our own comprehension, we are diminishing the, the, the capacity for us to demonstrate good in our lives because we aren't working with spiritual law in a way that brings intentional good in our lives. Again, the Apostle Paul wrote Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I love this scripture because I quote it all the time. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. Now, why is that important? It's important because we have to recognize that the, the act of thinking is sowing. The act of feeling is sowing. The act of speaking is sowing. <clears throat> Physical action is sowing. We're always radiating something. And what we radiate, we attract back to ourselves. We're always sowing. But I can't plant watermelon seeds and expect to get tomatoes. And I can't think, feel, and talk about lack, illness, and discord and expect to produce peace, love, joy, and prosperity. It just doesn't work like that at all. Hear me when I tell you, it doesn't work like that at all. Why is this important? Because sometimes we think we can think anything, feel anything, believe anything, speak any kind of way, and it vibrate or radiate energetically things that are inconsistent with what we say we want and then still produce them. But no. No, God is not mocked. Universal law is not mocked. Divine intention is not mocked. Universal intelligence is not mocked. Whatever a man, a woman, or person sows, so shall he reap. That's the law. We say it this way in metaphysics thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind when you are talking to yourself inside your own head what type of conversations are you having When you are thinking about 
the goals you desire? First of all, are you thinking about goals or have you got to the space of resignation to where you don't even know what you want or even sure that you want it because you're so used to talking yourself out of what you want? So if you have the thought, oh, I could do this, and then you start thinking about what could go wrong and and the odds and why this can't work, then you've already sabotaged the energy around the thing. You've diffused it to to uh, to make this teaching work or any teaching. The key is, and I've said this before on the show. Change your mind and keep it changed. See, many people can change their minds temporarily. But can you change your mind and keep it changed? Really allow that to land. You say you want more money. And then ideas start to come to you about how that can happen legally. Let me just add that caveat. And you change your mind temporarily. I'm going to do this, this, this. I'm going to write it down. I got the goals. And then you start. And then you don't finish. I'm not talking about theory. I'm talking about what I know and what I've lived and what I live. I understand that. It can be challenging to change your mind and keep it changed because that requires you to build a new habit. I know people who can fast for weeks and then they'll go right back to eating everything, gain more weight than they did when they, before they <laughs> went on the fast. Because changing your mind and keeping it changed is a different conversation. I love the story in Jack Canfield's book, The Success Principles, where he talks about an a, a elderly man who believed that his diet was the reason why he maintained such excellent health as a senior citizen. And he only allowed himself one sweet or break from his diet, or cake or ice cream or whatever it is, one gift one sweet or one dessert that's the word i was looking for one dessert a week so it just so happens you know when he reached a very advanced age his family and friends gave him a birthday party and when it was time to eat the cake he declined his own cake and they said why he said well i already had my dessert for this week Oh, you can just take a break one time and he wouldn't do it. And I respect it because that took a lot of power to resist that level of peer pressure. These people have come together. They're celebrating you. They're celebrating uh, your years on the earth. They they got you this big cake and ice cream and, and it's fun and it's laughter and all of this good stuff. And what ends up happening is... He said, no, I already had my dessert for this week. That's called changing your mind and keeping it changed. And the way that happens is by developing the system that allows you to be consistent 
and then maintaining the integrity of the system. In other words, you're only as good as your word. You're only as good as your word. Back to the book. So page 55. She gives uh, an example of how Jesus would work this concept of the Sabbath. She wrote, he would go apart to pray, and after such a period of infilling, he would move through a period of of intense activity of teaching and healing, and then he would go apart to rest a while. Mm. So he would do the work, so he would go apart to pray, come back, work really hard, go rest, so he could pray, work, and rest. So she wrote it this way. From Jesus, we get the perfect model of the way to make a demonstration. Pray, work, rest, then repeat the cycle. Pray, work, rest, then repeat the cycle. Pray, work, rest, then repeat the cycle. When you have something to do, do you pray first? Before you start working, before you start trying to figure out how to make things meet, work in your life, do you pray? I'm just asking a question because many times we jump into a thing. You know, it, it's just kind of funny. You know, I, I recently I had a situation where I was really hungry and... You know, I was with one of my brothers, and we went and picked up some some chicken from his chicken spot. And I was so hungry, I grabbed and I took a piece of a bite of the chicken, and I stopped and realized that I hadn't blessed my food. I always bless my food. I stopped, prayed. Now I could say, "Well, what difference will it make? I've done this." This, I've said grace a million times at the table. No, it's my system of making sure that I stop and acknowledge God as the source of all food and bless it so it can bless my body. Because bless means to invoke good upon a thing. Now, it's easy just to go by and not recognize and thank God for the little blessings. But if you forget the little blessings, it won't keep you. You won't be in the flow when it's time to demonstrate something larger. See, when you have an attitude of gratitude, your your systems have to maintain it. So even though I was really hungry, I had to stop. Let me take this 10 seconds to say grace. And now I can eat. And now I can eat. And I do that. I don't care where I am. I don't care what I'm doing. I always do it. It's just kind of funny. It's stopping and acknowledging God. Before I get on, before, when, anytime I take a plane ride, while I'm in the seat, I do, I, 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 in my mind, I say the prayer for protection. And then I have a visualization that I do. And then I bless the pilot. I bless the co-pilot. I bless the flight attendants. I bless the passengers. I bless the plane. I bless the runway. I bless the air that the 
that the plane is flying through, I even bless the weather and the clouds. I do all of that before the plane ever leaves. Why? Because in my mind, I need to recognize that wherever I go and whatever I do, God is in the midst. Therefore, I am safe. And I'm so if anything could go wrong, I'm covering it all. Because for me, the plane is God, the pilots are God, the flight attendants are God, the passengers are God, the air is God, the wind is God, the clouds are God, the runway that the plane takes off is God, is all God. This is what it really means when it says you shall let go and let God do it. So the only thing that can happen with a plane that I'm on, I don't care how much wind it is, or how, what the weather is, or whatever, is God-on-God God interaction. God is encountering God. And if something could take it down, uh, I recognize the scripture, underneath are the everlasting arms. And if the everlasting arms has to hold that plane up, then that's what needs to happen. Let go and let God do it. And then once I say my prayer, I'm done with it. And I've been on some planes that had some rocky weather. But I know that plane's not going down. Because the wind is God. The plane is God. The pilots are God. The flight attendants are God. The passengers are God. It's all God, including me. God appearing as Galen McDowell, God appearing as a plane, God appearing as pilots, God appearing as passengers, God appearing as flight attendants, God appearing as the atmosphere that surrounds the earth. Just God. The Reverend Coleman used to tell us God can never do anything to harm himself. That was, he used old language, the male pronoun language, but get her point. God can never do anything to harm itself. That realization makes the difference. You know, you set yourself up for your win through your intention. I want you to get it. So if you're not praying before you're working, if you're not praying before you're going, if you're not praying before you're doing, you are not allowing yourself the benefit of the anointing that goes with it. Before you send your children out to school, bless them. Before you go to work, bless them. Before you pull that car out of the garage or out of that parking spot, bless your travel. The cars are God. The highway is God. The streets are God. Every driver is God. So we're coming up on our first break. Well, our only break now. So when we come back, we'll cover the rest of the book and whatever else comes up in my soul to teach. So we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. God bless. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what the Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. Know Yourself as Divine, Stations of the Cosmic Christ. A new book from Matthew Fox and Bishop Mark Andrus introduce a spiritual practice designed to help you realize the divine within. Combining prayer and an interpretation of the Stations of the Cross, featuring beautiful imagery, you will be led on a process of transformation. This book will help you discover the most caring, courageous, and compassionate parts of yourself. Get your copy today at Amazon.com or Unity.org shop. Stretch your mind and open your heart every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien and the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way. Gain insights into spiritual principles that touch upon the most practical aspects of our lives, like work, relationships, health, and diet. Discover time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy for living a more fulfilled life in today's hectic world. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before I get back into the book, let me remind you that this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations so that you freely receive, freely give. My request is that you go to unityonlineradio.org, unityonlineradio.org, a shortcut is unity.fm as well. Go to the website, click on the Donate Now button, and help support this online ministry. We are all over the world now, and it's really important for you to recognize that 
you know, we're doing the thing. So let's let's do what we need to do. Also remind you that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. So, you know, make sure that you follow it, like it, write a positive review, give it a five star rating. It helps with the algorithms, getting it out to people. Also want to make sure that you uh, follow if you listen to it on iTunes podcast or Stitcher for Android devices, that you also give it a five star rating and write a positive review for the algorithms that helps it get out in front of people. I'm also on Instagram now. So, you know, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's cool. And I'm also on Twitter. So look me up. You know, we're doing the thing. I got to put this work out, get it out there. I also uh, mentioned a few weeks ago for uh, that I have some coaching and some other things that are coming down the pike. I'm just putting some fine tuning on that before I announce it, because I know that many of you all have reached out to me saying, hey, what's next? Online this, coaching that. How can we get more of what you are giving to the world? And I want to make sure that I can deliver it in integrity. So let's make sure that, you know, all that is in order. And then when I jump out there to do what needs to be done, I can do it and also handle everything else that's on the plate, which I know God already has because God has given me the capacity to teach and bless people with this message. I know that God has given me the supply, the intelligence, the understanding, and the support needed to make it happen. So see that with me. Trying to remember if there's anything else. Oh, yes. If you want to call in and ask me a question today, you can call in at 816-251-3555-816-251-3555. And also, if you have a, if you see something on one of the, the social media sites that you like, make sure that you bless it. You know, of late, Unity Online Radio has been using this hashtag, hashtag U-O-R buzz, U-O-R buzz, capital U, capital O, capital R, capital B, U-Z-Z. So use that hashtag to help us out. Again, we're spreading the word and getting it out and making sure that people have the opportunity to get this truth. Believe me when I tell you, the world needs what we have to offer. All right. Back to the book, page 55. Um, Major difficulty in making any demonstration lies in the fact that the personal self, the willful Adam, that's just the term she's using, the willful Adam, in other words, the personal man or the personal self, insists on assuming the entire responsibility and so prevents us from receiving the benefits of the divine will. We need to learn that our part lies in acknowledging God's presence, accepting from God the good we desire, doing whatever is logically required of us to further this desire, and then letting God do his part through his already established laws. That's called working with the law. So in other words, you do what you're supposed to do humanly that you're led. So you say, let me get make this very practical. Say you are working with something you want to demonstrate. So you get first of all, you get real clear about your prayer work. And then you listen for intuitive guidance. So you pray. I would also say speak the word, affirm, 
be very clear, get in the attitude of gratitude, thanking God for the fulfilled demonstration, and then get still and see what ideas start to come to you, what type of intuitive leads and hunches start to come, and write them down. Now, remember, Scripture says obedience is better than sacrifice. So your part, or our part, rather, is to be obedient and follow the impulse of spirit. Spirit's job is to do the parts that humanly we can't do. Open the doors, create the opportunities, create the possibilities, do the transformation. So let me put this in the standpoint of uh, a planter or, or a farmer. The farmer has to get the seed. The farmer has to nurture the ground to prepare the seed. The farmer has to plant the seed. The farmer has to water the seed. But the farmer does not make the seed grow. Once the conditions have been met, the seed will do what it was created to do. God gives you the idea, but you have to create the conditions for that idea to grow. Then you can let go and let God. But you don't let go before the conditions are met. So you might have to saturate it with love. You might need to see it in faith. You might need to hold it up in strength. You might have to develop the understanding for that idea to come forth. But once the conditions are met, now God's job is to do God's job. That's the key. We're trying to do the wrong part sometimes. We don't want to meet the conditions. We want to create the growth. And we want God to create the condition. No. The condition is mental. And the condition also will be the physical acts that you are led to, to do to create the condition that allows it to go and work. This is why you have to hold it in consciousness. This is why you do your prayer work. This is why you do your meditation work. This is why you visualize. This is why you sit deeply in the silence of your own soul. This is why you develop an attitude of gratitude, praise, and thanksgiving. This is why you speak the word for your good. This is why you avoid these negative, pessimistic, resigned conversations. Because it's important for you to realize that you're creating conditions. Hmm. So it's important that you work with the law. All right. The author says it this way on page 56. We tend to seed idea planted in mind by pouring out our faith upon it and uprooting through the denial of affirm through the use of denial and affirmation, all thoughts of fear, doubt, and worry. So we use our tools of denial and affirmation. Denying denial is is releasing or renouncing anything that is unlike the nature of God as absolute good. It's saying, no, I don't want this. 
the scripture teaches it this way, denials and affirmations. The affirm the 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's an affirmation. I shall not want. That's a denial. I shall not want. Why? The Lord is my shepherd. I, how can the Lord be my shepherd? And I want. I really want you to get it. However, the condition has to be met first before you can. So, so before the Lord is your shepherd and before you won't want, you have to affirm that the Lord is your shepherd and you have to also proclaim that you shall not want. That creates the mental condition for the law to work in your life appropriately, divine law. The author says it this way, page 56, just as the farmer having done his part has to wait on God's action through natural law. So we having done our part in the mental realm have to learn to let go and let God do his part through the action of spiritual laws. This is how we work it. She goes on to say on page 58, the feeling of partnership with God is essential to all successful living. When you go into business, God is God is your partner. When you go into marriage, God is your partner. And you say, well, God is my Lord or my God. Get the what I'm saying mentally. In other words, when you have a partner, you don't make decisions. You're not supposed to make important decisions without consulting your partner. So if something's going to affect your life, your money, your family, your health, your peace of mind, your employment. You should be consulting your partner first. Okay, let me check in and see what my partner has to say about this. This is what May McCarthy says, the, the author of The Path to Wealth. She's a Unity Online radio host. She wrote the book, The Path to Wealth. She, she has a show tomorrow. She calls God her chief spiritual officer. So when she creates companies, she's a person who's created multi-million dollar companies throughout the years. She always made a position literally in her company called CSO for chief spiritual officer because that meant that she knew that before her business made moves, she needed to consult her CSO just like she as a CEO had a CFO, chief financial officer, or a COO, chief operating officer. Well, guess what? No CEO would make decisions without consulting their officers. And what I'm saying is you should not be making moves when it comes to your life without consulting your partner in life when it comes to you having the life you desire. In other words, okay, God, I need to see how to work this. Okay, God, I need you to show me what I need to be doing. See, sometimes we just get too formal. Okay, God, show me what I'm not seeing. Okay, God, I am health. Your divine activity expresses through every cell of my body right now. My heart is my heart is your 
My heart is God. My lungs are God. My limbs are God. And nobody has the right to say God's anything can't work. Everything God created works the way it was created to work. That's how you let go and let God do it. What you're doing is creating an attitude, a self-image, a belief system that defaults to truth. There's no other way for me to say it. Defaults to truth. That's how it works. So ask yourself, when stuff metaphorically hits the fan, what's your default? Where does your, where does your mind go? Let me ask you another question. How long does it take you to recalibrate back to truth, back to God? back to your spirituality. How long? Because the longer it takes you to get back into alignment with truth in you, God in you, God working through you, God working as you, as the longer it takes, the longer it takes for truth to transform the situation. Mm. All right. There's so much stuff to teach. Okay. Back to the book. Page 58. After we have done everything we know how to do, we can safely rest from our labors, knowing that God carries on and that when there is more work for us to do, it will be revealed to us. You have to recognize, first of all, something that I tell my students all the time. You have to know how God in you works. Excuse me. For instance, I'm I'm a person who studies. So when I want to get myself where I need to be mentally, I study first, and then I use that to guide me in a into deeper levels of prayer. I know how to pray, but when I really want to contemplate, I get still, I start to study something, and then I take that study into deep thought. And then I'll start getting ideas, inspirations, hunches. But I know some people who say they, they hear a voice talking to them. I've never heard a voice talking to me. Galen, thou shout. I've never heard that before. But I feel like the matrix, like something's downloading into me. I'll get the ideas for the sermons, the ideas for counseling, the ideas as I'm communicating with people, the ideas as I'm talking to you right now. It just shows up with no thought. And I know it's different than my regular thinking. I can tell the difference. You have to be able to tell the difference. Some people get very strong intuitive hunches. They feel it in their bodies. Some people will say, my first mind told me, 
something told me that intuition is is trying to guide them, but they haven't recognized how it works in them. Reverend Coleman used to tell me that she would read every morning. She would read the Daily Inspiration, the Daily Word, Science of Mind magazine, and a now out of print uh, periodical monthly periodical uh, titled Creative Thought that was written by one of the former Science of Mind organizations. She would read all four. And then whatever spoke to her soul, she would take it into meditation and prayer. Now, that might work for you. You need to figure out what it needs to be done. Now, here's the thing. She figured out what worked for her, and she was able to build a gigantic ministry that affected countless people because she was very clear, very, very clear about how God worked in her. She would get an idea and I would be sitting in a meeting. And she would say, oh, God, give me an idea. I need to stop and work with this idea. Whereas Reverend Wells will tell you that he dreams he dreams about things before they happen. That's a totally different skill set. One is not better than the other. But just realize that if a person is getting a dream before it happens, then that tells you that he's figured out, man, I need to pay attention to what's happening to me when I dream. Now, Charles Fillmore, who was the co-founder of Unity, was also taught and guided in his dreams, amongst other things. But he wrote about how when he first started working with truth, he didn't feel as though anything was happening, but then he would start dreaming about things before they happened. Some people energetically feel things so deeply. I know a person who's exceptionally energy sensitive. She feels stuff strongly. And it guides her into what she should and shouldn't be doing. You got to know, how does God work in you? Because until you learn how God works in you, you can't have a true Sabbath. Because when it's time to rest and receive and you're not comprehending what you should be receiving, you can't take right action. We say in the Universal Foundation for Better Living, one of our statements of faith is we believe that learning to listen to the whisperings of the still small voice will ensure that you are guided into right action. Right action. I think it's clear and clean to recognize this is how God works in me. Therefore, when you find yourself getting off track, you know what you need to do to get yourself back in alignment. That, so, for instance, if I feel as though that I'm not where I need to be, there's certain people I read. Or I'll shut down. Okay, no TV, no phone, no tablet, no computer. Me and a book. And I read and I contemplate and I write my thoughts down and I highlight and whatever. And I get back into my space because I don't ever want to 
do this and trust my intellect only because I memorized enough material to just teach this without conscious thought. But I don't want it to be just subconscious thought. I want it to be inspired thought. And for it to be inspired thought, the thought of spirit that can touch, heal, and transform. I have to be in the space that I need to be in. So so scripture says, quoting Jesus, my words are spirit and they are life. See, that's how I want my words to function. I want my words to be spirit and life. In other words, they go forth to do the work of God. My words are spirit and they are life. Who are you blessing with your word? Is your words giving life to those around you? Back to the book. She wrote, page 59, loosing the problem and letting God solve it does not mean that we are entirely released from all responsibility concerning our affairs. In other words, if there are actions you need to do, you will be intuitively led to do them. Do them. You're creating con the conditions for your blessing. Then she wrote, page 59, when we learn to be true to our own inherent nature and do only things that we are intended to do, we too will find that our needs are beautifully met with our struggle and competition. So in other words, I'm thinking, feeling, speaking, acting, and reacting in alignment with truth. Therefore, I create the ease of spirit. Then she moves on to say, we need not we need to learn non-interference. In other words, stop digging the seed up to see if it's growing. We have to allow ourselves and teach ourselves how to get in the space we need to get into to do the things we need to do. And sometimes that means you have to, to remind yourself I trust in the infinite intelligence of God to produce my desired results. I release, let go, and I let God. I just made that up, so I don't know if I can repeat it. Just listen to the show over again. But that's how it works. There's no magic in what I just said. That's just something that just came up. But saying something like that will help you transform. You hear what I'm saying? All right, back to the book. She wrote, every person who touches your life is a potential, page 60, every person who touches your life is a potential instrument of God's action and manifesting your good. You never know what contacts are being made, what action is going on in this invisible realm of mind. So even while you're asleep, universal law is setting you up for your good. Even while you're resting, even while your mind is off of something else because you've released, you've let go, and you've let God, you trust that the divine intelligence of the universe is bringing all things together. Even when you're not thinking about it, it's coming together because now you've accepted it and it's become a part of your being. Therefore, you can produce it at a different level. So make sure 
that you're working it. Now, on page 61, because I don't have time to teach you this now, I want you to take a look at page 61. She gives a formula with some prayers and some steps that I want you to take a look at and start to work on. Page 61 of the book, Prosperity's Ten Commandments by Georgiana Tree West. Work with it because it makes a difference when it comes to producing results. Producing results. Because that's what it's about. The acid test of truth is demonstration. People can say they can do all type of things, but what can you demonstrate? That's the key. What can you demonstrate? If you say you're loving, then love needs to show up even when it's hard to love. You say you're peaceful, then peace needs to show up when people are acting chaotic. If you say you are prosperity, then you have to think prosperity even when the appearances are saying something else. Demonstration. And then it has to show up. You got to demonstrate it. So we're wrapping up uh, now because we got to keep it moving. So next week, I'll teach chapter five, which is you shall deal honorably with God and with all human instruments through whom God's good is manifested for you. The fifth commandment. So God bless you. I hope this show was beneficial to you. I'll be with you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.